0: Hey, Micro Monday listeners, it's Jean with a quick note to say that this episode contains a bonus discussion after the end of the podcast. Rob and I are both big fans of a certain film, and we knew we would never be able to have a micro-length discussion about it. But no worries, your 20 minutes of Micro Monday chit-chat comes first. Hey, it's Micro Monday again, the microcast where we get to know members of the micro.blog community. I'm Jean McDonald, and I am the community manager here at micro.blog, and on this episode, I'm very pleased to welcome Rob, who is at RNV on micro.blog. Hey, Rob, how's it going?
1: Pretty well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty well. It's a nice uh, summer day here in Portland. And I believe you are in the Minneapolis area.
1: I am actually in Saint Paul now, and uh, oh. and because they're the twin cities, um, you know, we have to get got got to get the city right. No, I'm not in no, Minneapolis I, I anymore. Understand. I'm I'm in Saint Paul, uh, but I have lived in Minneapolis for many years, and and now I'm I'm back over the river in the town I grew up in.
0: Cool. If you wouldn't mind telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself, I am sure they would like to hear it.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, my name is Rob Van Vliet. I am a writer uh, and a uh, teacher. Uh, and like I said, I grew up in St. Paul and uh, lived in Minneapolis for many years. And over the years, have done many things and lived in lots of different places. I've lived in Santa Fe and Portland, Oregon and New York. I spent some time in Salt Lake City, L.A., and uh, Southern Florida. Um, Hmm. And I'm sort of a serial careerist. I've been a typographer, and I did page layout and information design for many years. I repaired computers for a while. Um, And uh, and I've sort of on and off been a teacher or a tutor or an academic coach um, starting in high school, and then again for a few years about 20 years ago and then for the last few years i've been uh teaching and coaching um uh middle and upper school students in lots of different subjects so um and i'm a writer like i said i'm a poet um and uh yeah i guess i guess that's i guess that's me
0: wow that's a lot uh a lot of interesting things to do I like the notion of serial career
1: yeah serial careerist because, yes <laughs>
0: because I would be also a serial careerist and i've always feel like i I want to try everything mm. um, i haven 't tried everything <laughs> spoiler alert but <laughs> I have tried quite a few things and one of the things we uh talked about before we started recording I realized that this august twenty twenty two is the fourth anniversary of meeting up in Minneapolis uh, back in the day.
1: So That's
0: nice right. to talk to you again after four years. After
1: Rob. four years, time <laughs> sure flies. Yes, indeed. That's right. That was uh, uh, the first summer I would have been part of the micro blog community or uh, micro dot blog community.
0: Tell me about how you got started blogging.
1: It was a, a, a very interesting long road, actually. Um, I was just reflecting that um, I first heard about blogs in 2001. Um, I read an article in about this particular Mac that talked about these mm-hmm. kooky new things called blogs. And they had a couple of links to s- some of them, like Jason Kotke was linked there and Meg Nutt, uh maybe Mighty Girl, uh, one or two other people, all of whom are either... I have abandoned the platform or in Kotki's case on sabbatical. Oh, and, and Katarina, Katarina fake. And I, I started Mm. following these blogs and finding more. And over the next year or two ended up with a whole, you know, tons and tons of, of blogs that I was following. I didn't start blogging though, probably for another year or two after that, when uh, my wife and I decided to move to uh, Santa Fe. And I thought, a blog would be the perfect way to kind of let people keep up with what we were doing and where we were and what was up. Um, And so I set up a text pattern blog. um, And I did that for probably a year or two or thereabouts. Then at the same time, blogger, I started looking into blogger and I set up a blogger blog under a pseudonym because I was also writing poetry and trying to get published and so forth, and I had been doing a lot of projects um the previous few years, and I felt like all of the stuff I was writing felt the same or felt – uh I felt stuck. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that I could do kind of the Beatles thing where uh they invented personas and did Sgt. Pepper and they kind of let themselves do – weird wacky stuff um without being locked into being john or paul or george or ringo so i set up a blog at blogspot made up a name and just started posting weird uh cut up poetry and and erasures and all kinds of just weird stuff that i the real me would never really think of doing just to kind of refresh stuff Mm -hmm. and i ended up getting published in an anthology <laughs> under that no. guy's name and 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 published in a couple of magazines and that lasted probably three or four years and then i kind of stopped and i i think i stopped because at, at about that point it was 2007 8 9 somewhere there uh that was when twitter and facebook started to bleed off all of the bloggers and so mm-hmm. I was still trying to blog, but there was like not much going on anymore. And there were people weren't commenting and people weren't posting. Uh, and when they were, they were always posting like, sorry, it's been so long since I last posted. (laughs) Um, so then I kind of drifted away from all of it, uh, for quite a few years. I signed up for Twitter sometime around 14 but i used it like a like a tv i, I watched it um oh, i didn't really i didn't participate like it was tv that i could react to that they knew i was reacting like it's a little like button and stuff but um it was very passive it, already it was sort of just a rage fire hose so that i kind of pulled the plug in 2017 and then at the end of that year i read a blog post by brent simmons that mentioned this wacky new thing called Microdot blog and i signed up for it and that would have been january of 18 uh and sort of lurked for a few months and very quickly it seemed like there was a genuine community there um mm-hmm. you know having been exposed to sort of the the rage firehose of of twitter and the the sort of communal narcissism of, of facebook there there was actual conversations going on, um, and it was still kind of very tech heavy. Which, yeah. you know, whatever. Of course, that's kind of usually how it is. Um, and so, I set up a WordPress in, install on at one of my domains and started started blogging and started participating kind of throughout 2018, and kind of eased into. I was still really nervous about. Uh, kind of putting my identity out there and like putting my name yeah. on it for some reason. I think, um, I think a lot of people probably are, whether they realize it or not, kind of traumatized by the whole Twitter and, and social media, um, flattening of identity and stuff that mm-hmm. it took me a long time to kind of realize that I could trust the community to be an actual human space, you know? Um, so about a year into it, I, I signed up to have a hosted blog and have kind of been here ever since. And I think what I like most about it is that I feel like there's very little pressure um, to be sensational or to, (laughs) uh, right, to to kind of create a a spectacle out of your identity. Um, And so, you know, I kind of come and go with the blogging. Like uh, I think I went, quite a few months without really posting anything um and then other times i do a whole lot um like in 2020 i did several month or two month or three month long blogging projects where i posted right. a bookmark every day for yeah. two or three months and <laughs> and, and pencils all of my pencils I, I, um I remember
0: the pencils yeah. too i think that's yeah. what i was like wow this guy has a lot of pencils and <laughs> he's, he really loves them because he's giving them such loving attention. And, uh, yeah, cause I don't think when I first met you, we talked about pencils or bookmarks.
1: I and, probably, <laughs> probably not. No. And, and the bookmark thing in particular, I can't remember how I kind of fell onto it, but I suddenly realized one day that I had the, I had whole envelopes oh. kind of tucked on the bookshelf filled with Bookmarks that I'd collected over the years. Um, And with it and the pencils, I did a thing where I've been I've been thinking recently about how uh I've I've been reading people on microblog who seem kind of anxious about blogging and Mm -hmm. and kind of nervous about it. In light of that, I've been thinking about that project that I did with the bookmarks. And that I think there's some people who feel that they're supposed to live blog everything and that they sit down at the keyboard and just write something Mm -hmm. and it's just going to come out and there it is um that every take is a hot take and every hot take is going to be like great and um the bookmark and the pencil project that i did i did the opposite of that i i did almost all of the work ahead of time i took all the pictures all one weekend and then over the course of a week or two, I took notes on all of the bookmarks and all of the pencils. Um, so when it came time to actually post it, I had, I had the photos. I had at least two drafts already. And so when it came time to hit post, all I had to do was just kind of fine tune it and make sure it was under 280 characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then hit post. So I've been thinking about that a lot that, um, I think there's a lot of pressure still from the the Twitter aesthetic of snapping and and dropping a text out of nowhere into the world Mm -hmm. all at once and that everything has to happen at once. And I think that um, I've been writing since I was in fourth grade and I would say... 1% of everything I write ends up in a poem or a blog post, and 1% of that ends up being seen out in the world. Mm -hmm. So for me, so much of writing does not happen out in the world at all. It happens in my notebook, in my head, on a computer, on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. And then a tiny, tiny percentage of that gets worked over, and then a tiny, tiny percentage of that gets published. And takes a lot of pressure off thinking that I have to put everything out there all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't. And the act of processing quietly in a room by yourself without thinking about whether it's going to end up out on the internet or on a piece of paper or in a magazine or in a book, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like that has let me feel much more relaxed about whether I'm Blogging this week or not? Yeah. Um, I'm still writing. I'm still thinking. I'm still engaging with the world, um, but I don't really have any anxiety about. Oh my gosh, I haven't I haven't posted anything in a month and a half.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that we are not providing anxiety for you, Rob, because that would not be in our intention. Um, and I think that is an interesting take on the the pressures that. Social media style posting has um put on people, and the feeling I feel like and this is just it just hit me while you were talking is that um what you are talking about, which is posting and writing and posting on your terms in your authentic way, not trying to. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know to build a brand god forbid or um to (laughs) show off or to beat yourself over the head if you haven't posted very often you're doing you're doing you rob and that's how Mm. it should be um and Mm -hmm. but you also you control the space it's your blog um even if you were hosted at WordPress or at micro.blog you have control over what it looks like you have control over who hosts it you have control and whether it's even up there you can take the whole thing down if you want to
1: mm-hmm. yeah exactly
0: and I think if people learned uh, their habits uh, of posting publicly from being on Facebook or Twitter then they don't have that sense of this is mine This is my identity. Right. This is authentic me on this because it's not. I mean, it's just by definition and by design. It's not you.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly right. And I think that. um, uh, I think that's something I've been thinking about recently. That just just how much damage that it has done. Mm -hmm. I think that there are people who are struggling with with blogging right now who don't even realize that that's why they are having a hard time and contemplating well why should i even be doing this i'm gonna you know i should just quit or whatever well it's it's because there's this pressure that's been put on them from a a very particular kind of public engagement that is is very a very specific you know era in in our uh, you know in our current era um yeah
0: now, I had not really thought of it that way. I mean, I do
1: notice, and I do love
0: Microdot Blog for being a location online where I can read mostly genuine um, mm. expressions of human beings who I care about reading, versus yeah. um, scrolling through Twitter. If and when and I go there occasionally, still for usually for specific reasons and go like oh my god the hot takes like could like burn exactly. your skin off <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and then the and then the the meta hot takes the people who are who are doing hot takes about yeah. the hot takes well why is everybody doing these hot takes like well that's a hot take yes. too now why wh- you're yeah. you're just adding to the fire by saying why are you all doing such hot takes you know this this calls for for measured discussion mm-hmm. well yes of course it does but saying that on Twitter isn't going to help
0: No. So. um but look at us we, we're talking about Twitter and I think here we, we are talking about uh, both that's right. us, you know if we had. Uh, an Apple watch on, for example, might say might look at our heart rate and say, oh, I must have been yeah. talking about Twitter at that moment. <laughs> let's,
1: that's that's and on. that's that's the nature. That's the nature of spectacle. Yeah, it always demands that it either is what you're thinking about or what you're talking about or what you're actively trying to ignore. <laughs> it's always trying to control the the narrative so
0: yeah so i think it's probably about time to wrap this one up rob but is there something you wanted to add before we uh we cut the mics
1: oh i'm sorry gene i'm just my my mind is going absolutely (laughs) blank it really is i feel terrible
0: no no requirement to to have one more thing you are absolutely entitled as many people say yeah i think i'm done
1: i think I, i i'll be honest I know I think I honestly am thinking I'm I'm getting vaporlogged because I'm thinking of all the things that we didn't talk about <laughs> and all the things
0: <laughs> there are there so, are many things we did not oh, cover Oh I know but...
1: oh I know it's terrible
0: no, that's okay. You don't have to add anything else. That is just my formula question at the end of the podcast.
1: No, and it's funny because I, I should have seen it coming because I I just got caught up. I've been listening to a bunch. I had totally fallen off the Micro Monday podcast listening uh-huh. wagon. And I knew that the, like, the last three or so that I'd listened to, you always ended with that question. And I should have seen it coming. Yes. Should have. What, what? She's going to ask me. What didn't she ask? Me? And then I can <laughs> then I can like drop some zinger and some brilliant bon mot Here, I'll I'll rehearse. I'll write it out. And of course, I didn't. I didn't do any of it.
0: You did great, Rob, <laughs> and I really appreciate you uh, being on the podcast and um, being here to talk with me and and uh, talking about blogging for our fellow microbloggers as always a hot topic here at micro monday so
1: it absolutely we, is thank you so much for 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 having me and it was wonderful to to talk with you again after almost exactly four oh years God. yes
0: well and listeners if you want to follow rob on micro.blog there's a link in the show notes or you can go to micro.blog slash rnv thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon Welcome to the bonus material for Micro Monday 118. i here talking to Rob, and we are talking again, something I've never done with any podcast after it was over. Uh, but Rob reminded me of a subject that we didn't even talk about that we are both very enthusiastic and so enthusiastic that we have reconvened to talk about a movie we both admire called Until the End of the World by Vim Vendors. So Rob, here we are again. Here Uh, we
1: are. And if either of us had remembered uh, when we started the podcast, this is probably all we would have talked about. yes, Blogging, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But but, oh my God, this movie
0: yeah, for people who haven't heard of this film before it's called um again in until the end of the world the director German director Wim Wenders, who you might know from uh some of his uh more well known films uh the uh, Wings of Desire and paris, Texas are two um he did a lot of early films before you did either of these that are really great to the um, that I would recommend. but for uh, today we are just going to talk about this um, this film. It came out in 1991. So we're really going back. <laughs> to, but I saw it in the theater as well and it blew my mind. Yeah. And just as you said that, I realized that it's appropriate to be thinking about this film again because the other movie, Lately, that has blown my mind is something called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And they're not similar, but they have had a similar impact on me. And I have watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once four times so far. But I've seen Until the End of the World too many times to count. I I Uh don't know how many times I've watched it. Um, But... When did you know that this was a film that you were going to still be talking about 30 years later?
1: I think the evening I walked out of the theater seeing it the first Mm -hmm. time, uh, I was living in, I was studying abroad in Scotland that spring and summer. So I saw it in a theater in Edinburgh. And we came out of the theater in the middle of the night and it was summer. So the sky was still sort of dusky, even though it, must have been about midnight and the friend and i went to see it together and we just walked around talking about it and it was just the most dreamlike um uh overwhelming experience that we just talked about it all evening all night and when i got back to the states um I, i waited for it to come out on vhs and i rented it a bunch of times um so astonishing experience um i had never really really seen a movie that kind of moved through so many different kinds of storylines and different kinds it felt like it was a compilation of movie genres
0: It <laughs> so is, right
1: of
0: that. <laughs> yeah and, you do have uh, to ask yourself frequently like did i fall asleep and wake up in another movie exactly
1: uh, yeah and the and the fact without getting the spoilers, the fact that it has such a dreamlike quality um, plays very much to one of the central themes and sort of plot points of the movie itself. You, you, you come, come away from it having felt like you've gone through all of these very dreamlike experiences. Um, yeah. Not to mention the soundtrack. Um, obviously <laughs> that was, yes, that, that possibly, was
0: yeah the greatest soundtrack of all time. Uh, movie it's soundtrack just, of all time.
1: Yeah, so to, for for listeners, um, the uh, vendors approached something like 18 or 20 um, musicians and bands asking them if they would supply a song for him for this movie with the express instruction, if you can bring me a song that sounds like something you think you would be sounding like 10 years from now or more, because it was... Mm-hmm. They made it in the very late 80s and it was supposed to take place in 1999, 10, 10 plus years into the future. And he asked mm-hmm. all of these bands and musicians, write a song or supply me a song, whatever you can do, that sounds like what you think you'll be doing 10 years from now. And apparently everybody he approached said yes and gave <laughs> him a song. Um And so all of these bands, Talking Heads and R.E.M. and Lou Reed and all these people um
0: mm-hmm. you offered too. don't forget yeah, you, you too, too of course
1: um offered him these songs and he said that at one point the reason the movie ran so long was because he wanted to make sure he used every <laughs> used every single song he got from mm-hmm. from everybody and it ended up being just such such an incredibly eclectic group of songs that nevertheless kind of feel like a unif. it, it feels like an album it's yeah. really interesting
0: yeah in that, that- respect it definitely felt like an album to me, and partially because he did, you know, use them to support the story, you know, uh-huh. uh, wherever um, he put them in. So uh, the the soundtrack kind of follows a uh, a story arc as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let me just uh, again for people who haven't seen this. Um, we're going to blow a spoiler horn as, uh, we say sometimes when we cover, uh, stuff that we don't want to spoil for those who haven't want, haven't uh, seen it yet. But before we do blow the spoiler horn, um, the, one of the reasons that you and I r- figured out that we had both seen this and both loved it was, um, the Criterion collection releasing a Blu-ray of the director's cut of this film. And now the original movie was, um, two hours and 38 minutes. And the director's cut is almost five hours long, just short of five hours long. So, uh, I, I had gotten the director's cut. It was like, and I watched it on new year's Eve, new year's day, um, which is, um, as as you said, the film takes place on the, the turn of the, you know, century you could say, turn of the millennium. But I just wanted to read the a little bit of the Criterion Collections description, which is it's conceived as the ultimate road movie. Decades in the making science fiction epic from Vim Venders um, follows. Uh, restless Claire Turner, who's played by the French actress Sylvie D'Omartin, who was at the time also Vin Bender's uh, partner, and uh, follows her across continents as she pursues a mysterious stranger who's played by William Hurt, and that just scratches the surface of what mm. happens. But there is so there's so many locations <laughs> in this film. It is truly
1: it, a globe trotting. Clove yeah. show.
0: And that made it very exciting. And um the the vision of what things would be like in the near future uh of nineteen ninety nine was was eerily uh accurate in many ways. And mm-hmm. so that's I don't want to spoil what they were doing or what they were looking for or trying to achieve. Um and uh I just want to say you should go get this film. I would not get the director's cut because <laughs> I think that five hours is something for you know those who already know and adore the film. Um, the original two and a half hour uh, release version is got plenty going on, and obviously that's what Rob and I saw when we first saw it.
1: Yeah. Now, where where can people get the The original cut. You did did you mention Mm -hmm. that it was available through Apple TV? I got
0: it I got it I bought it from iTunes from the iTunes iTunes, store. Um I also owned the VHS of it, um, which I don't know where I have that anymore, but uh I don't know where you know for sure whether it's still available on the iTunes store. I could look, I guess.
1: Of course I haven't checked to see if it's streaming anywhere um, Um, necessarily.
0: Rob, that's a good question of yeah. wh- whether you can get the original cut. I don't think it's included on the Blu-ray, unfortunately, but uh, I assume that um, I once owned the VHS, and then there was nothing on DVD for a long time. And yeah. I always assumed that was a music copyright issue. That's
1: what that's what I thought for a while too. Like like that, it was just a licensing you know, nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but actually I'm not sure if that's what I ended don't know up. If it, that's it,
0: true either.
1: It it might have been just that he was so dissatisfied with the length because I remember reading something somewhere that he actually at one point had an eight hour cut that he tried to um put out <laughs> as a as a trilogy of whatever eight divided by three would be two and a quarter, like
0: roughly mm-hmm. two and a half
1: hour chunks and i just you know i think that he had so much material he wanted to work with that Mm -hmm. he just couldn't get it into a shape that he felt did it justice but yeah but yeah so the criterion came out and i i picked it i came up it came out right before new year's 2019 Mm -hmm. and i watched uh probably the i think all of the first disc which is two and a half hours of the dvd Mm -hmm. and then i started into the second disc and i wanted to savor it so i stopped and that Mm -hmm. was early like december early january of 19 into 20 (laughs) and that was probably a mistake because by the time i was thinking i wanted to keep watching it um we had gone into covid lockdown and Mm -hmm. again without spoiling too much this is this sprawling globe trotting movie but later in the film kind of starts to draw in on itself a bit and it starts to get a little bit more intense in a way that in the spring of 2020 it was it would have been too much at the time for me to kind of actually finish watching it right so i had actually ended up putting off finishing it probably for easily a year maybe two years i forget now but again it was there's so much about the film that he we talk a lot about like, oh, it's so prescient, these things that kind of predict the future, but mm-hmm. there was a lot about this movie that he really got right about the future. Um, mm-hmm. Watching it, it looks like it is from 1999, even though it came out 10 years earlier. Yeah. Um, In terms of some and, of the technology <clears throat> and the, what was going on in society in the movie.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and before we, uh, go on to talk about some of the the details and like i said spoilers i just want to um give a shout out to the whole microdot blog film loving community because i know uh that's one of the things i like about microdot blog is i learn about movies or get to talk about movies with other people but of course wh- if we try to talk about them on our timelines we can't really do it um without spoiling and so uh-huh. One of the ideas I've had, and this discussion has spurred me to uh, revisit the idea and put it out there to, the, to our Micro Monday listeners, is if you'd be interested in um, participating in an occasional, say, <clears throat> movie club discussion where we pick a movie um, and then Schedule a Zoom meeting, not a podcast, no recording, just uh, folks getting together to talk about a movie. Um, Sort of like John Philpin has organized with books and uh, people who want to talk about uh, books. Feel free to email me at gene at micro.blog. And um, I'll also mention it on the timeline, but uh, it would be fun if we had a little group of film appreciation enthusiasts to get together on an occasion to talk about a film and especially if you are interested in talking about until the end of the world rob and i (laughs) we're not going to uh we're not even going to get beyond scratching the surface right now of what we love about the film um but uh we so we could definitely you know Do something with some other people if there's other people who have watched it or who Mm -hmm. decide to watch it um, now that we've talked about it. Um, And with that, I'm going to say turn this podcast off if you don't want to hear any more details about the film um, because we're going to talk about some of the things that we love and they will be specific to things that have, uh, you know, that I think are better to find out in the course of watching the film than Mm. from. Just two, two people talking on the internet. <laughs> um, so, Rob, what is your favorite thing about this movie? That's a hard question. Intentionally, that is a hard. very
1: that's a very hard question. And and you know some of it is what what we've already mentioned. Like I, I think the use of music in the film mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is is so well done. Um, but I the 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 part of the movie that I was looking most forward to watching when mm-hmm. the criterion was finally reissued was that last two hours when oh, really? they have finished their globe trotting and they've finished going all over to japan and germany and russia and and the us and everywhere in portugal and they don't forget no, in portugal, portugal right <laughs> and they 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 end up in australia and they're at that at the compound Mm -hmm. And they start actually playing back and we, and everything kind of starts to come together about what this strange device is that Trevor McGee, Sam (laughs) Farber has, um, and how it works and what it does and why, um, it was the, the, the visuals of how the, the machine sees what the person is seeing uh, th- yeah. th- th- those visuals were so cool and the the way i, I mentioned earlier that it, like the 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 film sort of starts to kind of turn in on itself and gets very claustrophobic and very mm-hmm. kind of dense and intense which is so ironic that it that part of the movie takes place in australia in the outback with these vast spaces so it it's mm-hmm. like despite the fact that they're in this amazing open environment the storyline has become very very um dense and intense and close that that to me was one of the things that i remembered most vividly even after years of not having seen it was this um that contrast which i yeah. thought was so well done
0: that's really interesting because i um I hadn't really thought about them being out in the open and even like, I think of them, I mean, they certainly, there's a claustrophobia because there's, especially there's a lab,
1: mm-hmm. like an Down underground in the, lab right. yeah. where they
0: do the, uh, all the computer generating of these m- images that people can, that help m- make blind people able to see um, what, uh, but that they, they um they're also disconnected um, you know uh-huh. it's a moment where it's not clear that the you know the established uh social and cultural and economic networks that we all rely on are even going to survive the turn right. you know the uh the year two to the year two thousand um and that's that's the thing that literally hangs over um the story in the beginning i have to say like i fell in love with the story because of the first half because that was like my fantasy of claire (laughs) you know going around and she goes she starts out you know she starts out in italy she lives in paris also, Sam Neill is her boyfriend, and that uh, from of that course. moment, Sam Neil became I, my boyfriend. I was,
1: <laughs> I was wondering how long we could go before the name of Sam Neil was invoked. Yes, yes. So um,
0: I think it's well known that this is why Sam Neil is my boyfriend. Is this this movie? But she, yeah, I identify with Claire. I get, or mm-hmm. I did, you know, at the time when I was. She, I mean, she was the same age I was when the film came out and this notion of somebody being just um you know unable to settle down and mm-hmm. and wanting to just keep going um and she goes to all these countries she's constantly hopping on a plane or a train or anything else and it's and the it's just so cool. It's a travel. That's the road movie. Yeah. part of it, and um, that it was a road movie. I could relate to. Um, you know, so your classic road me- movies tend to be young men. You know, to getting out there and and uh, but this is, I guess this came out after Thelma and Louise, but it was mm-hmm. you know the not, same that kind of thing. Yeah, not that so much longer.
1: Yeah, that much soon. I mean, pretty soon after, actually.
0: Yeah, and Thelma and Louise was had that in. Impact on me as well. Of like, yeah. I mean, I did not want to necessarily shoot anybody, but I definitely. Um, but you could argue neither did they,
1: um, <laughs> right? They,
0: they uh, but the w- women on the road like that. That's it was amazing. But yes, I I enjoyed. I always enjoy foreign films, and this one is the ultimate foreign film because they are they they have people you know, speaking languages and subtitling things in so many places. And uh, that's really
1: true. Yeah, that's really true. And yeah, that the first, the first half is so much fun for that reason, like all these locations. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like I said, it's, it, it's several, it feels like several movies at once, Mm -hmm. um, because you know yeah we start out as a, a you know a road movie but then it's also sort of a a caper kind of a who done it or not a whodunit, mm-hmm. but a, you know um uh, there's a mystery is, to there's it there's a
0: mystery yeah
1: yeah and and it 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 keeps going places it it keeps surprising you like yes every time i was like the the first time i watched it <sighs> I couldn't figure out what kind of movie it was and not in a bad, you know, not in a bad way. Like yeah. somebody find the editor and shoot them because this is a mess, but it was constantly surprising me. Um, mm-hmm. And taking, going to some new, not just a new location, but felt like to a new movie. And mm-hmm. the fact that it, I felt like they, they pulled it off. Um, yeah. Was all the more amazing. Um so, I and one thing, one thing I know that I would want to ask you, and this this could actually end up being the sort of question that we could go on and on. Was <laughs> I have never, I haven't after the mid nineties, I haven't seen the original theatrical cut. Um, uh-huh. I've only watched the new Criterion, recently, you know, in the last year, two mm-hmm. or three, years. and I don't remember seeing anything in this new version where I thought to myself, "What's this." Like, everything mm-hmm. felt inevitable. Like, there were some scenes where I'm like, this seemed longer. Like, they spent more time here, right. I guess, than I remember. But um, did you, on rewatching it, you know, since The Criterion came out, did you find that there was anything that was particularly jarring or, or that stood out, good or bad, mm-hmm. about the longer version? Yes. You that-
0: um, well, one of the things... Uh, you know when I watched it, I, I've only watched it once. So I, right when I got it, and I watched right. it over two days because uh, I said I was going to watch it as my New Year's Eve party. <laughs>
1: that year. <laughs> That's a long it, party, though. <laughs>
0: it's a long party, and uh, and I was I was like, oh, I don't guess I'm staying up till midnight. So let me just uh, watch the second half tomorrow, which I did. Um, but it. Um, uh, but I did think, oh, I, now there were many, many places where I could because I've watched it so many times, and I've exactly. watched I watch it recently. You know, I I would sometimes it's one of those things. You know, when you you say, oh, I just want to go and watch this one part because I, you know, for whatever reason, and then next thing you know, like two hours have gone by, and you you watch the whole thing again. Um, that's this movie for me, so um i he, yes it, it, it's rare for me to know a film that well where I, i'm watching a, a twice the length director's cut and i can pretty much tell you know what um what was added back in but it's that was a while ago now and i haven't mm-hmm. rewatched it but i meant to sit down with both cuts and just make you know more uh um methodical list for myself, not like by the second, like each, each thing for sure, but the things that I notice, um, that, and so there's probably a few things I would say to answer that question. But the, one of the most interesting ones to me, considering what we've been talking about so far is the music making in the director's cut, you know, cause you do see the characters, especially in Australia, uh, pretty much where it happens where they, you know, they're, they're they're playing instruments together. There's like, you know, a very short clip of them. And it is, if you see the director's cut, you see that's been happening all along, you know? And the, 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 I, I thought, oh, now it makes more sense to me, you know, that they didn't just like say, Hey, it's new year's Eve. Let's like, pick up some instruments and start playing them. They had been playing together um, throughout. Uh, yeah. So that I thought was interesting and important because uh, music is important to this uh, movie, but um, I forget. I, I'm going to rewatch it. I do remember thinking, and I can't remember if it if it was about Sam, because Sam, the William Hurt character, definitely uh, – It's hard to get him, you know, like, Mm. and I think part of it is that, well, there's a mystery behind it. But also, I I think when I watched the director's cut, I I felt like they filled in a few things about Sam that made him a little bit more fleshed out as a character on par with Claire and Jean, who Mm. are like the three main characters. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I think Sam probably would have been the the least fleshed out or the most mysterious partly because the role he plays in the overall kind of mystery of the movie but uh gene is the voiceover he's the narrator Mm -hmm. and he's talking about claire so it's very easy for us as viewers to feel like we understand gene and and think we might understand claire simply because most of the movie feels like it's gene talking about claire <laughs> yeah. and then there's sam is sort of this third sort of the dark horse the the sort of the the yeah. um uh sometimes the the conflict or the um you know and so i agree i think that um yeah i've only watched it all the way through once as well um so i'm sort of in a similar place as you except without having seen it many, many 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 times, but that was my that was my feeling like at, when i got to the end of the movie this time around i think i finished watching it kind of recently last last couple of months and i remember feeling like okay i get sam more his relationship with the parents his motivations mm-hmm. for having done what he you know for having gone with that machine around the world like that made a little mm. bit more sense to me this time around so yeah but yeah the music that that's true like they were all playing instruments winter of course with his harmonica that's been, that will have been going through the whole the whole movie he's always playing <laughs> yes. that harmonica so
0: and, and winter if anybody has seen um and winter is also in far away so close I mean the character um is, which is the huh. sequel to Wings of Desire. Right. So he brings like a new, like sort of comic, you know, uh-huh. German comic relief character to um, far away. So close. And Vinter, the actor uh, who plays Vinter Rüdiger Volgler right. is like, he is the, um, you know, the muse of Wim Wenders. So if you looked at, if you watch his early films, he's the star as a young man, of Alice mm-hmm. in the Cities and uh, um, some of the other things, which are t- more like the typical road movie, you know. Of uh, and he might even—I don't know if he ended up in Paris, Texas, but anyway, he—he's a really interesting actor. Who and it's the one of those like actor-director pairs that right. um, uh, you know we often see. Um, and uh, right now, of course, off the top of my head, you know, I can say like Martin Scorsese, you know, and and Robert right. De Niro or anyway. Yeah. And I did want to say like when we talk about Sam and his parents, I mean, his parents are Max von Sydow and Jean Moreau. So, it's only like, you know, two major European actors from major film, uh, you know, backgrounds uh, Swedish and French and all everything in between, and so it is sort of weird that Sam is is William Hurt, who's so American, but they do say, "Well, we moved to America, and, and yeah, and, and the had mom had even says we, yeah
1: we had American babies.' Exactly, yeah. yeah, and but it is such a such a, a, a crazy international cast, and and like mm-hmm. you said before, the, the languages. It's in English. There, they, Claire is French, and, and she drops into French occasionally. And of course, when they're mm-hmm. German, and um, and then when they're in Australia, there are some Aboriginal dialects that some of the characters yeah. are speaking uh, in. And, and it's just and there's all the subtitles happen to go like crazy. Yeah, um, and yeah. and
0: they did use um, some of the most famous uh, Aboriginal actors and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, the people who you see working with Dr. Farber um, in his lab and the, who are his like adopted brothers and, you know, and brothers, sisters, ne- um, sons, whatever, those um, actors. Ernie Dingo yeah. is one. Well, okay, so he was a, was a bounty hunter. <laughs> Ernie Dingo was the Australian bounty hunter who was so,
1: so good. Oh, he's so great. And
0: uh, <laughs> but also the char- the the uh, Aboriginal characters um, in the second half of the movie are people who are well known, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as we said, we could go on forever talking this movie. Um, I usually say, I don't want to talk longer than how the long the movie is, but this movie is five <laughs> hours, <so laughs> that's not a good
1: <laughs> no that that's not a good rule of thumb in this case, no,
0: no, so and we were doing this as a, like, just kind of off the cuff. Hey, we forgot to talk about this movie that is our one of our favorite movies that nobody else. We never find somebody to talk about. It
1: with. I know, <laughs> I know that that I think that's the that's the funniest thing. Is I think we talked about that before. How when we mention it, because you said you you know whenever you mention it, you know anywhere you just get silence, like nothing, like yeah. nobody knows what you're talking about for and for such a famous filmmaker with w- w- what's already like a, a a good clutch of very well known movies and he's worked with r- really big name actors and then this film itself has such a a a, a big cast mm-hmm. for for someone like that to have a movie that is so unbelievably under the radar um mm-hmm. it's really kind of
0: yeah that's true kind of ironic that's it never really gets brought up um i don't think any of the actors ever say oh yeah that was an amazing film to work on or whatever so so, maybe it's a cult we're cult
1: i guess that's i guess that's that's, if you can't find
0: people to talk about a thing readily you know maybe you're you're a cult uh,
1: film fan uh maybe that's Uh, and then there's the then there's the irony of there's some things that i'm very fanish about that i Mm -hmm. i i don't mind that they are under the radar like like if they got too famous it would bother me um i'm a huge xtc fan and i'm Mm. i'm actually quite content for them to not be more famous than they are um Mm -hmm. because it feels like it's a little secret of mine and that it shows that I have discernment and taste above <laughs> the the normal person. Um but this movie, there's something about this movie where I'm like, no, no, hold on. This this is actually a really interesting I, I I I'm sorry that this isn't a bigger film mm-hmm. in his uh in his sort of in Vendors oeuvre, you know. Yeah. Um so yeah. Yeah. Oh
0: well. It's you and me. You and me, Rob. Maybe we'll find another fan or two by having well, a this. Then it can and
1: still just be us and well, of a little bit of a
0: little bit of a little and of a little know of I'll know that when I bit I I I spend of a better part of a weekend watching the two versions side by side and then write a blog post about it. I know one person will read okay. it. And really one person is
1: all I need. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> there's a, there's old old line about, uh, writers um, uh, every writer has two good readers and they spend their lives looking for a third. <laughs> that's good. That's uh, that's about, that's uh, about where the bar is set most of the time. So.
0: Well, I, I think we should wrap this up part two of our micro Monday um, or podcast. <laughs> micro <extra>. Montauk, my, <laughs> <laughs> micro Montauk, Ben Benders. Um, and uh I I'll be interested to hear from anybody uh either on the timeline or in my email box who is interested in this film or any uh one who thinks it would be fun to have uh an occasional chit chat about a film uh Indeed. together. Well, Alfiedersen uh <laughs> It's not even appropriate. German is probably the least (laughs) spoken in this film.
1: (laughs) Actually, yeah, that um, au revoir then.
0: Au revoir.